Hey, look at this. What? 70s acoustic oh, Epiphone yeah. from Japan. You know what I did to make it even cooler? Carve your name in it. Come on. <laughs> what? I put a knob to look like John Lennon. <laughs> of course he did. Trey and Kevin change the world. Trey and Kevin change the world. One podcast at a time. Kev, it looks like we have another celebrity in our, our midst today. Big time Where? celebrity. Uh, where's his, her name is Tammy King. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Oh, sorry. But we're going to settle for Jeff King. Settle on, yes. I yeah, appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, guitar player to the stars. Um, not only that, um, uh, just a, a badass all around musician, but then even more importantly, a, an amazing person and a great a very dear friend of me. I think we've become pretty close, tight, the next last few years. He's uh, and he just got a new gig uh, at the beginning of this year, which really didn't matter. <laughs> um, he got uh, now he is a mu- musical director, uh, band leader for Brooks and Dunn. Nice. So uh, lots of stuff going on. So uh, Jeff, please welcome to uh, Trey and Kevin uh, Change the World. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, guys. It's awesome. Great to see you both. You're both dear friends, and I'm look forward to this. So you're not, so you're not in the hood right now, right? You're not you're not West Side. You're you're in Alabama right now. I am in Sheffield, Alabama. Yes, nice. sir. Nice. That's cool. Yeah, we love is it. That, right that's here. is that outside? Is that outside of London? It Sheffield? is. It's that- Sheffieldshire. <laughs> that's right. Is it that? That's where Jeff King and Def Leppard are from, I think. That's right. Yeah, gonna, yeah, yeah. Are you? Uh, yeah, you doing the new Mutt Lang record with Def yeah, Leppard? Right. That's what you're doing, isn't it? He's ghosting Actually, all the know, guitars on Def Leppard record. Yeah, right. One string at a time. Power chords. <laughs> I still want to try that. I haven't done it yet. Oh, dude, you know I I tried. I don't know, Kevin, if you've ever done this, but I did try to do. Yeah, just a bass. You know, bass drum. For you know whatever four and a half minutes, a snare drum, then the hi hat. I tried to do all that separately one time, and it felt like it's ass. the oh, worst it's, it just, thing ever. Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, it was horrible, fucking horrible. Seems like they could you could play it, and then they could turn it into MIDI, and then pro and then put their own sounds in. That way, they can control everything, right? Isn't there a way to do that? I guess. Yeah. Hey, wait, MIDI is that that M one D one thing? Yes, M M one D one. I, I love him one D one man. That's I hear that's going to take over. I think that's the next big thing. I had two of them last night. I think that's a great idea. Just take me out of the mix. Why do I have to be in the middle of that? Just just go do it. <laughs> yeah right. So I got some of these. This, that's funny. You guys say that stuff. And this started back in the nineties, and I'm sure it was happening in the eighties for you, Jeff and Kevin, because you guys are both a little bit older than me. But the first couple sessions I did in Nashville at. Uh, uh, the the producer or the engineer at the end of the thing, any of the snare drums that I played, he'd do he just solo. I'm, I'd have to play them at four different velocities, and he would record them so he could pop before you know all the, the yeah. digital stuff. So he could kind of do you remember that Jeff samples? And it would be like samples. So now being up here, like a couple bands up here, I'm not going to even mention the names, but they're sending these tracks around, and I'm like, I've heard these bands, and I know that they they can't sound that, and they're. It sounds already. The samples are so freaking good. Yeah. Like the McHugh. Yeah. I mean, everybody's got so, that they sound. But the bad thing is, 
these records that they're these some of some of these people are putting out they're monotone because of it though right there's no so like, they don't know there's no there's no dynamic mm-hmm. which i i i love it i love well, a because I can't play perfectly, and I I have no dynamics, or my dynamics are all over the place. But I just I like the feel of a real track, and yeah. I can, I can I can feel it, and I can definitely hear it immediately. You yeah, know? are you guys yeah. think the same thing? Oh yeah, definitely the same thing. But you know, uh, that's the difference between somebody that's a pro. Like uh, most of most of the sessions here, you know, they get samples, but they use them if there's a problem or if they want to enhance something. Right. They don't just correct pop up a hard snare in every time there's a snare hit you know so you have to be somewhat creative with it. musical yeah. actually what yeah, you yeah. need to be is musical wow did you use that term that's musical? crazy wow. isn't it? hey so so for people who don't know we so uh we have this little thing it's because we used to have coffee at kevin's house in the mornings you know which you're invited to all the time and somebody joked around and said we should have a little podcast so, so kevin jumped on this we started it yeah so we, we just talk so it doesn't matter about anything, but our, our good friend here, Jeff King, is actually a really amazing guitar player. Uh, he's from he's from Tennessee originally as well, right? Eastern yeah, Tennessee. East Am Tennessee. I correct in saying that? Mm-hmm. So we'd love to hear just a little bit about, you know, what happened. What 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 you know? First off, when you were a kid, when did you say I I need to play guitar? What inspired you uh, to do what you're doing right now? Well, you know that's a. This is an interesting story. Everybody's story is different, and everybody's story has usually something really different. But my story started uh, probably when I was, I remember being maybe six or seven, and mom and dad got me a uh, 45 of something, and a little 45 player, and this was 67, something like that, you know? So I was born in 1960, but... Uh, so um, I remember just wearing it out and just being uh, just so, uh, I think, and sound was so cool. So it kind of all started from sound with me. And then um, later on, I was visiting my grandmother from my mom's side up in West Virginia, a little town, a little coal mine town up there. And my aunt had a had a record player. And um, I don't think there, I think it was a self-contained record player with speakers built in type thing. And she had this, uh, I can't remember if it was a 45 or just a, a you know, a regular LP, but uh, it was uh, Drift Away by Dobie Gray. And, uh, yeah. and she, would, she had played, she said, hey, you can listen to some of these records in here if you want to, because at that time I was probably nine or 10. And uh, uh, at this point I already had, I had two um cassette players the little silly cassette players you know that you have the buttons on and stuff and I was figuring out how to talk to myself and dump ask myself questions and go back and forth and stuff (laughs) and I'm thinking wow this is so cool but anyway so I go back um, she says here listen to this uh you can listen to these records and I found this Dobie Gray Drift Away and I bet I listened to it a hundred times in a row just going Oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. I cannot, I gotta hear it again, I gotta hear it again, I gotta hear it again. And uh, Reggie Young played all that stuff, who later became a friend of mine, and I was fortunate enough to do, you know, several sessions with a handful, you know, and uh, he would always, he was always the gentleman of kindness and always said, 
would come up to me and say, hey, you know, you do what you do, and I'll find something around you, and and that way, you know, we'll all we'll all keep, you know, you you uh, you do what makes you what you feel, and I'll I'll do something around it. Um, so I remember um, getting off track here, but Paul Franklin and I were cutting a record at Starstruck. I can't remember the artist, but they had Reggie come in on this song because it was a remake of a uh, Waylon Jennings song, and. Um, they wanted Reggie to play some of those parts, and, and Reggie came up to Paul and I said, "Hey, you guys do your thing, and I'm gonna just kind of fill in around you." So at the end of the song, I looked over at Paul, and he looked over at me, and we started laughing. I said, "Isn't it amazing?" He said, "Yeah." And I said, it, "We both played every Reggie L- Young lick we ever knew without <laughs> meaning to." And Reggie's back here going, "What are you, you know?" But he wasn't; he was just a kind gentleman. But uh, but anyway, back to the Dobie Gray. Uh, the sounds, the way the two guitars kind of bounced back and forth, you know, the deck, 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 deck. Um, and I asked Reggie about that later on. I said, what, you know, he goes, you know, that uh, had nothing to do with the song. It only had to do with something I'd been messing with before. And when they ran the song, he said, we need an intro. And he goes, hey, I've been messing with this. Let's try this. And they all went, holy cow, that's it. So that's how that deck, the, the intro thing, the guitar intro came about. And, um, so moving on, um, my uncle had a guitar in the back of his closet. I found this guitar way back in the back behind all the clothes, and it was a really cheap plywood painted on, you know, lines around it, and it had a painted on pick guard. And I remember pulling it out, and um, somehow I got it in some kind of tune where I could just sort of play a couple notes, and it wasn't disturbing. So I remember going, that's so beautiful. Those notes, they just ring. It's just so beautiful. They they have content. They actually mean something. So I started to kind of mess with that guitar. And when we got back home to Tennessee, my mom said, well, there's a guy in town here that sings and plays guitar. You know, I'll call him and see if maybe he can come out and um, show you some guitar stuff. I said, that'd be great. Uh, so he came out. His name's Ronnie Sullivan, still a dear friend. Uh, first song he started me on was this song called The Wildwood Flower. And uh, it took me forever to learn it, but then I learned it, and I was actually learning a song, and my fingers were hurting and bleeding because the strings were, you know, half inch up off the fretboard. Not really, but it was very painful. So then my mom and dad got me another guitar. Uh, that, one was, uh, that one was red, and then they got me a brown one. It was the same model. <laughs> <laughs> But hey, do you still have those guitars? I have, still have I have the brown one, yes, at home. I don't know what happened to the red one. They maybe had to trade it in, but you know. Hey, Jeff, going back to uh, the Dobie Gray record, what's interesting, but you're as a kid, you're attracted to the sound of this record. How did you gravitate towards that of making parts, not only playing guitar, but just making parts and making them great and making them count? Early on, my first few sessions, it was mind-boggling to me because... You listen, and you guys know, you listen to all this music your whole life and or however many years you are until you have a, a, a recording session or, or you get together with some guys and play even, whatever. Uh, but then you, you think, okay, I've got all this information I can draw from. So for me, my first few sessions was just option anxiety overload. It's like, wow, okay, here's this song. What can I... 
what does this sound, uh, what's the ballpark of the genre and, and the ballpark of some other song that I've heard that's like this that I can do to make this sound like some of my heroes or even, I mean, just boil it down to even at that point passable <laughs> for me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I think you, you gather all that information, you have all these options, and the more you do it, and as you guys know, the more you do it, you just sort of zone in on, okay, I've got all these things, I could do that, but here's the most important thing I need to do. Where, whether or not it's playing through a song, playing, um, you know, rakes and whole notes, or you're doing eighth notes, or you're doing eighth notes in the verses and whole notes in the choruses, and I call them splangs. So, you know, like on a Gretsch or something, you just play that big fring. For me, I didn't like the demo world because I didn't want to do six songs in three hours because I want to change snare drums and I want to put us, you know, I want to try a different ride symbol. Oh. I want to because because it doesn't sound like in my head what I heard as a you know a few as a kid. Listen, you know what I mean. Yeah. I want to make that song and there's no time for that in that kind of situation. Right. Yeah. You you know you definitely have to think about the genre you're in and you have to think about. Even with demos, you think about radio a little bit, but sometimes you want to push the boundaries of stuff as the, you know, looking at from Merle Haggard to Casey Musgrave, uh, you know, it's lots of, lots of things have changed and people are pushing the sides out a little bit to make whatever country is today be, you know, be cool. And uh, because we've heard so many songs that sound very similar and you know there was always the 1511 we're talking number system charts uh but then there's also the there there have been waves of stuff like uh you know 1564 <laughs> and i mean you know it's just like chart after chart of 1564 and i remember early on when i was in a um a club band the girl that was singing her name's dana mitchell we were dana mitchell and southern express she uh, actually got some money together and went in and did a uh, a 45, two sides. So as the band, I didn't play on it, but uh, a great guitar player, his name is Bill Hullett, played on that. And and Bill was the first guy I saw. That he had two Mesa boogies, you know, little combos. And um, uh, there was a steel player, his name was Pete Drake. He was actually on the oh, sessions, yeah. and they cut these... They cut these two songs at his studio, and uh, I was glued to Bill the whole time, just watching what was going on. And, and one of her songs had some cool, really cool guitar stuff on it. And I said, how did you come up with this intro, Bill? <clears throat> he said, well, you know, it's there. All these things hide in the song. You just have to listen and grab onto something. There's a melody going on somewhere that you can grab and use as a cool intro because then by the time it gets to the chorus and you hear that melody, it's like, oh, I've heard this before. And then the turnaround comes back and you hear it again, maybe bigger and, or whatever, however they devise the plan. You just brought up a good, you brought up a great thing right there. So you're, 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 you're younger. You haven't done sessions yet. No. Right. Mm -hmm. And yet you go and you ask to be a fly on the wall. And those guys were like, absolutely. That was the, the uh, that, that was so nice in Nashville when I got there in 89 I went to um, Silverline Gold Line 
Noel Fox's place with Harry Stinson and uh, um, Chuck Gainley. Yeah. And Dale Jarvis. But they were doing Lionel Cartwright. Remember Lionel? I remember Got signed. Lionel, yeah. And Alex Toro was in the band. And Dale was playing bass. So they're like, well, come on over to rehearsals, you know. And they, the drummer, guy named Michael Blastone, badass yeah. drummer, uh, he goes, he was looking at chart, these charts, and I'd never seen a number chart. And he's like, oh, no, dude, let me, I'll show you, show you what this means. That just is one, you know, one measure, da, you know, da 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 da. And he goes, hey, we're leaving this weekend, and there's a, uh, uh, a VFW gig I can't do. Do you want to do it? I mean, it's just, but my point is, even then, and then when I, so that even takes away something else, but all the guys, all the players at that particular time, and I'm sure it's kind of still maybe the same, they were so inviting. Come down to the studio. Lionel would be cutting something. Eddie Bears would go, no, just come down and watch me. Yeah. What? Yeah. I get to sit there and watch. And how much did you, I mean, did you not learn, like you just said, it's such a good eye-opening experience to be able to sit with somebody who does it and makes these amazing things and to watch them actually do it, you know, in, in that environment. It's incredible, right? Yeah, it's incredible. Um, do you guys remember Brent Rowan? Oh, yeah. uh, Brent was on everything in the 80s and 90s. He started out with uh, uh, rose-colored glasses guy, John Conley. So oh, yeah. uh, John, some of John Conley's early stuff had like twin and triple guitars on it, which, you know, as a guitar player, you're going, what is this sound? You know, of course, I've heard that with the Eagles, right, and Joe Walsh, and, and you're going, wow, this is cool. So... Around uh, after a few years after I moved to town, I called Brent, just cold called him and said, Brent, I'm a guitar player. You know, uh, of course, uh, let's back up for a second. There were LPs out. Everybody, yeah. and if you guys probably remember, you know, you take, I buy every record I get and I'd study the names on the back. I knew all the studios, I knew all the players, I knew the engineers' names, I knew everybody. So when I came to Nashville, you know, somebody would say, hey, that's a, uh, that's Mark Cass Stevens over there. It's like, oh my gosh, he played on blah, 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 blah. You know, you'd already know all this stuff. So Brent Rowan, I loved his tones. I loved the way he played. Everything he played sounded like it should be on a record. But right. looking back, it's because it always was on a record. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's what I always heard. Exactly. So <laughs> It's a great example to learn from. And that's, that's the part of the development that's interesting to me and how you yeah. get there and how you take in that information. And because we jump around here, and I don't want to forget, speaking of Joe Walsh, I just happened to see a picture uh, yesterday of you uh, in between, I said we're jumping decades here, but you in, yeah. Between, yeah. you in between Joe Walsh and Brian May, and then I see your smiling face in the middle. This photo's <laughs> insane. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's from November. Um, you guys know how the thing is here. You never know what phone call you're going to get, right? Uh, you know, uh, and it's been that way for years. And it's always that's part of the mystery and the and the excitement to it to me. So I'm um, I'm walking in downtown to see some friends at a showcase, and my phone rings, and it's a Louisiana number, and I I think gosh. It's not scammers, but it's uh, telemarketers. And most of the time, I just I hit no, you know, and then I go on about my business. It's, but sometimes I get a little, I, I want to just say, hey, t t stop, stop calling me. I, I don't really want anything you have to sell. And I, right. I just, just please take me off. So I answered the phone and said, hello. 
And the, and the other end says, uh, hey, is this Jeff? And I said, yes, it is. He says, uh, this is uh, James Burton. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, it's James Burton. <laughs> he said, I got your number from Shane Keister, who's a great keyboard player uh, in town. And, and I said, uh, okay. And he said, hey, listen, um, I'm doing a, a benefit thing. I've got a, uh, the James Burton Foundation. And in two weeks, we're doing a big thing down here at the Schirmerhorn, Schirmerhorn, however you say that, down in Nashville. And uh, I've got to put a house band together. And Shane said that, that you know, maybe you'd uh, you'd be a good candidate for it. Would you be interested in doing it? And I was like, wow. I said, uh, what's the date, James? And and Trey, as you know, we were we were bouncing around with doing um, the CMAs with Brooks and Dunn, and. Uh, at that point, I was actually in the house band at the CMAs as well. So there was a there's a revolving, my calendar was just like tough stuff. And I said, James, when is this? And he said, it's the, the Monday and Tuesday or whatever. And it was exactly between everything else that have, was going on. And That's I was amazing. like, oh, my gosh. Because he was telling me all this stuff. Oh, I've got so many friends showing up. And, you know, you you lose track of these guys like James who's played on so much stuff. And if you really go back and look at it, you go, Oh man. He says, yeah, I'm going to have a Joe Walsh and Steve Warner and uh, Sammy Hagar will be there. And uh, Jason chef from Chicago and uh, trying to get Brian May there and blah, blah. You know, he just kept going on. The list was long. And uh, basically I said, yes, I'd love to do it. (laughs) Yeah. You know? And so uh, that's the right answer. Yeah, that's the right answer. So then I get this. I think for me, this is history. So I get the chart pack, and it's 38 songs. And I'm like, Shane is a good friend. I, I t- you know, we're all communicating the band with email. And I said, Shane, are we really doing all these? He said, well, this is the ones they sent me. I think I think that uh, James opened up his email account and said, hey, who can I ask to be involved in this? Thinking maybe, you know, a handful of people would re- respond yes. And then... I think it was at a time when when everybody wanted to give back something, so everybody said yes, and then they were going, oh, my gosh, we got like 30-something people to do here. So uh, so we, we show up for rehearsals, and uh, Brian May walks in, and I'm like, holy smokes, this is awesome. So, wait, wait, wait. Did, did he have like, did he just walk in by himself or did he have like a guy with him? Did he have his guitar tech with him or anything or just him? He had a guitar tech, but he was, uh, I mean, he was hands on. He was, I, I love that guy. I, I was a Queen fan, but I wasn't a huge Queen fan. You know, I was like, wow, this is a huge band. And then I meet the guy and he's, he's such a sweetheart and not, uh, He's his own. He is a rock star, but he's not. He doesn't. He would be here with us, talking like this. Uh, he would offer some great stories and and you know be interested in what you're saying. And you know, I watched him set up his AC30 and his uh, yes, his uh, his treble booster, and he's right in front of me. What I was standing on the stage, it was right in front of me, and I was watching it. And he says, uh, "Yeah, uh, let's try another one. This isn't quite getting the sound." So his te- and they had like four or five. They had all these rent lamps. There were probably fifteen amps across the front of the stage. So, um, so anyway, he found one. He said, "You know, it's a little loud. Can we move it over in the corner because I don't want to bother everybody?" It's like, wow. So by the time they're done, it's way over in the corner and it's got a baffle kind of 
not over it, but it's not choking down or anything. But, you know, it's kind of – there's singers and there's horn players and percussion players everywhere. And so they baffle it off. And um, and then uh, I go over and look, and I'm looking at his settings. I'm going, it's an AC-30, and it's wide open. And all he has in the between is the treble booster and then his great guitar, you know, that he built or whatever, yeah. or one of them or something. But So then they dialed in some verb and some delay through the monitors and through the house. And he started playing a couple notes. I went, oh, my gosh, that's it. That's that sound. It was like oozing from the rafters everywhere. There was nowhere to not hear it, but it was all surrounding and warm and just beautiful. I was sitting over talking to James uh, in front of me. I'm thinking, this is what a great opportunity to, to... to talk to these guys, Skunk Baxter was sitting there most of the time because I guess he and James are good friends. So I was talking to Skunk for a while, and and um, we tr- it was awesome. We traded numbers. He's like, "Call me if you're if you ever need anything, or just call me to talk sometime." And I'm like, "Oh, that's that's awesome. Thanks, Skunk." And and then he shows me his CIA stuff, and I'm going, "Wow, yeah, you know, this is so awesome." Yeah. <laughs> so then he takes off and does something, and and James is standing there playing his, his telly and. I started asking him about this guitar and that guitar, and he's like, and at this point, Brian May walks up, and he goes, hey, guys, everything good? Y'all having fun? We're like, yeah, we're having a great time. And he says, um, says, James, I'd like to ask you a question. He said, sure, what is it? And he says, "Um, how did you play the intro to some, I can't remember the song, because I was was thinking this is the coolest moment in my life. (laughs) Brian May asking James Burton how he played this lick on one of these old James... Uh, I mean, uh, Merle Haggard songs, and James says, uh, Brian sits down in the chair there, and he goes, would you show me? And I'm going, holy cow, this is this made me feel good. And uh, James goes, oh, sure, it's just this and this. And he goes, would you just play that one more time? And I'm, and Brian is, like, intent on watching everything, and uh, it was just a cool moment. It was just a cool moment between three dudes. <laughs> I mean, you know. <laughs> well, Jeff, like you were saying, to hear that sound in that context, that sound that you know so well, that's so oh, signature, yeah. and then to hear it in this context, which is, you know, you're not at a Queen show, you're just, oh, this guy's right here, but the sound comes with him. His magic right. comes with him, just like I'm sure people when, you know, are standing next to you, like, oh, that's Jeff King, he's here. I, I mean, <laughs> well, no, seriously, though, like, sorry, I don't know why I'm like you're here like it's it's a thing like there's it's all coming from the dude you know I, yeah i mean yeah. it's not just what he had plugged in or what you have plugged in right. or what gear you bought you know it's it's yeah. oh that's the dude playing it that's why it's you know and it's to hear it like that it's got to be mind-blowing and hey i gotta say this because a lot of people know you jeff as a uh the country guy or whatever i'm just using that because of nashville you know but um was it last year or the year before that? We sent you, remember the track you did for a girl? We And she was very, and you did all this really ethereal, spacey kind of, you know what I mean? It was a more, it definitely was nothing that, and I was, <laughs> dude, people don't understand that you, you, you've got more than two chops. <laughs> <laughs> well. You, I'm so used to you in this, in this kind of environment. The Nashville do, guy do, thing, do, yeah. Yes. Do people, do sometimes people, does that happen for you? They hire you and they go and all of a sudden you start doing something like, well, wait a minute. I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know that you even had that in you, you know? 
Is well, that something as well? Sometimes that happens, but you know, we. I mean, we were all Toto fans, right? So, oh. I mean, <laughs> Picaro yeah. wasn't necessarily a country drummer, but he was a great drummer. I got to tell you this really fast because it's funny, but we won't use it. So, I, I always wanted to meet Steve Jordan. I love Steve Jordan. You know how much yeah. I love Steve Jordan. So, whatever, before I moved out of town, uh, there was a blizzard. Steve couldn't get, he was in town doing a record for Sheryl Crow. He couldn't get back to New York because it was they. He got snowed into Nashville. Actually, couldn't, couldn't couldn't fly back in. So he's down at Forks, and Gary calls me. Gary calls me. You remember this, Kevin? He goes, <laughs> "Steve's here. Come on down." So I do. I run. I rush down to Forks, and uh, there's Jordan. And all I could. And Gary goes, "This is my friend Trey." You know, da da da. And all I could do is go, hey, Steve, do you remember that time in 1986 you were on Zara Live and you had that minor symbol up there? What the fuck was that symbol? And he goes, what? And I go, you had this symbol. I go, don't you remember? Why would you put that symbol up there? And he goes, he goes, man, I, 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 and knowing how his personality is now, I never, I mean, but that's what came out of my yeah, stupid yeah, mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would have, I just want to see the look on Gary's face like, Oh, Gary Fork. Yeah, yeah. Walked away going, yeah he, oh. walked, he walked away going, you idiot, Trey. Like, <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. Uh, what am I supposed to say? <laughs> and Joe Walsh was his, was another uh, hilarious. What a guy. I mean, a total rock star again. And, and, you know, you forget how long his career is from him being Joe Walsh and then him being through the Eagles for so many years. Uh he was doing um, Rocky Mountain Way, and he came back. Uh, and you guys being drummers, you'll enjoy this. You, you guys know Mark Beckett. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Mark Beckett, uh, he's the house uh, staff Opry drummer out at the Opry. Uh, I think he and Eddie Bayers go back and forth splitting it. But uh, So Mark was called to do this. And, and Mark, he plays great, and he's, he's got that great uh, – his dad was Barry Beckett from Muscle Shoals area, so mm-hmm. – you know, in true family tradition, Mark has that beautiful thing where he lays right back on the back of the beat and it just feels great. And and Joe Walsh is standing there and he's going, okay, just so we don't make this a jam, he comes up to me and uh, Link Denton uh, was beside me, another great guitar player, and he's, he's saying, you guys, I'm going to give you parts to play and just play those parts and this is going to be fun and it's going to sound like the song. And he goes, and 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 Mr. Mark, he said, I've got advice for you. He said, I play way back on the beat. He said, uh, he said, but you don't play back on the beat. He said, if you start doing that, I'll start doing that, and you'll start doing it more, and I'll start doing it more, and we will slowly ground down to a halt. <laughs> he said, oh my God. and so Mark, you see Stella Mark says, don't play, you know, keep the, don't let, you, I'll slow down, but don't, you know, so, but gosh, so much fun playing exactly. Dude. He'd turn around and just tell you exactly what to play and nothing complicated did a, fun, you know. We did a show with uh uh with the boy with Brooks and Dunn. We were doing it that uh Chesney stuff, you know. Uh uh-huh. does these stadium things and um each year he had a rock guy. It was it was right before us would be the rock guy, then us and then Chesney. One year was Joe Walsh, right? Oh, so yeah. uh uh you know, Tony King, our acoustic player and stuff. Brother King. So, oh my gosh! So we're that we're some stadium. You know, we're in a locker room. It, 
it, uh, Tony walks out and goes to the bathroom, and Joe Walsh is in there, and he was turned around. He goes, <laughs> he goes, hey Joe, I just wanted to tell you. And Joe stops him and goes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, and then, and then comes and we watched Chesney's show on the side stage with Joe. He came right back, to, hung out. I mean, he was just so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's that awesome. awesome. Yeah, it's hey great. Jeff, uh, to me, I know uh, as a drummer, non melodic player. And just listening to guitar my whole life from that perspective, right? You love guitar. You I love guitar, melodic. as you can see by my shitty guitars on the wall. Uh, um, I think <laughs> Joe, Joe Walsh, to me, is I think has the best guitar tone. Whether it's his solo records, Eagles, James Gang, doesn't matter. Well, that's the whole. It's the whole thing: the soul, the heart, and the hands. You know, I mean, there's a varying degrees of how those apply, but you know, sometimes. Those guys just have stuff. That's a great, say it again slow, the three the three things that you said. What'd you say? It's heart, what'd you say? Your heart, heart your, your soul, soul and your hands. hands. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Interesting, huh? That's, that'll be, that'll be our uh, tag for this, <laughs> for this uh, little episode. Jeff King being the, being the, uh, nice guy that he is which we know could you tell the tum story your tum story oh shit you son of a bitch <laughs> i was thinking about that the other day tell that story. <laughs> Were you? that's funny yeah tell that story quick. so uh quick. <laughs> well i just want to give I everybody the full picture of, of jeff king <laughs> as a practical have... joker too so <laughs> oh so, so uh, you know, I, I my, Kevin, you know this because I, I stay with you. I have a bad stomach. I need Tums a lot. So I have, I have, we're on a bus. We're getting ready to party a little bit. We had, edit, a, edit. We, we had a, no, we're keeping that. We had a great fucking show. All I want to do is I think I'll get ready to eat some, some pepperoni pizza, which I knew I was going to have to do pepperoni pizza. I, I would have to do my Tums and do my Tum up, you know, because I was, we're, I think, I think we were doing, um, Dude, I think we discovered, uh, that's when we discovered that Jameson in the cask, oh, Jameson, and we were just drinking the yes. shit out of that. It was so smooth. But it's also, that's real acidic on my stomach. <laughs> we so, it. but I go, yeah. so you take the Tums out of the Tums, a brand new thing. I'm so excited. Brand new Tums. I love popping the little seal. I love it. I love it. I love my Tums routine. I dump some in your hand. You take them and shove them back in the thing and shake it up. My new thing of Tums. <laughs> well, and it was the first <laughs> night of the run. I'm like, you son of a bitch. What is wrong with you? So I guess it's not really that funny of a story. <laughs> but then we kept the Tums oh, out and we they sat on the sink of that bus because we had that bus for like two months. Those Tums sat there <laughs> right, and people yeah. are eating them. I'm like, the tainted oh, Tums, God. the old tainted Tums. <laughs> oh, you son of a Oh, the tainted Tums. So hey, are you excited about your new role as a uh, uh, band leader for Brooks and Dunn? You excited about that? I think that'll be fun. That'll be a blast. It's yeah. a great band. I'm, you know, I'm excited to see any time. So now you that are. you're band leader, you got you guys need a drummer over there, or uh... wow. Oh, that's a very Nashville thing, right? Hey, so <laughs> hey, uh... hey, hey. No, wait, 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 wait. Now, now it is. Hey, wait. <laughs> Hey, Jeff, I got a great, you'll love the story. So we're, it's us and ZZ Top and Rodney Atkins, okay, doing a tour, long, okay? Yeah, uh, yeah I, we're in Canada, uh, in, uh, not Toronto. Yeah, we're no, in Vancouver. Toronto. Was it Toronto? Yeah, Vancouver. It's my birthday. So I, 
uh, your birthday. I had just started on a new uh, antidepressant, and one of the things was, you know, just be careful for, you know, whatever. And I was married to Lisa at the time. So we were staying at the Ritz-Carlton, actually. Remember that? We were four seasons. Four <laughs> seasons. <laughs> or four seasons, sorry. So uh, I, go, I, go, I go to my room to have my morning dookie, and uh, I wipe, and I always oh, look, gosh. and it's blood. It's blood. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking I'm, oh. I'm, oh, yeah, no, this is for sure. So I'm like, oh, fuck. So I immediately call my wife, and, and, and she goes, I'll call Scotty. Our tour manager will get you, you know. And they did. They got a doctor over and everything. But anyway, so, but two, so very, okay. So Kevin, I call Kevin, and I go, Kevin, you have to do the show tonight. I, I think I'm bleeding, and I probably have to go to the hospital. You know, I told him. He's like, he thinks it's a joke, and it's for his birthday. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sure, whatever. Which is something right. I would do. You know, I'm it's like, something it's, King would I'm do, in, too. We're in Vancouver. It's going to be a fun show. I'm like, but I get over to his room, and there's Dwayne. Dwayne Rowe. Making, that band yeah, later. making a set list, and Trey's like, man, I can't do it. You, you're playing tonight. I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is funny. Where's the joke? You got my, you got a cupcake for me in here? What, what do you got? What do you got? You're, you're punking me? Yeah, all right. <laughs> so it gets better. So it gets better. So he's all fucked up. He's thinking you may have to do the show. Well, the doctor, they come and get me, and a runner comes and gets me. I go to the arena. So our dressing rooms aren't ready yet. Rodney's dressing room was ready. Yeah. Okay, so I'm in their dressing room. Here comes this Canadian doctor with his nurse. And everybody leaves, you know. And he goes, uh, I got I to put my hand up and I got to see what's going on. And he goes to his nurse. He goes, where's the, uh, where's the Vaseline? And she goes, oh. oh. She goes, remember that, Kevin? She goes, remember this is our new bag and I didn't, I didn't even think about that. He goes, Trey, I'm sorry, but this is really going to be uncomfortable. And then he pulls out, you know, and he goes, he goes, ah, oh, you got, you got some, you got some outer, outer, uh, what did he say, Kevin? Or our inner Inner hemorrhoids, just from playing drums. Just for the record, I was not so, in the room. No, dude, it was it was uncomfortable. Oh, right. Anyway, yeah. it was just oh, some gosh. inner. Yeah. Jeff, dude, oh, thanks yeah. for doing this, buddy. We yeah, appreciate it very much. Thanks for listening to us, man. And we have a we have a sign off that you have to do if you don't right. mind doing it for us. Trey and Kevin changed the world, and so I we do like I'm Ke I'm Ke I'm Trey, you're Kevin, and then if you would do, and I'm Jeff King, and this is Trey and Kevin saves the world. Can you do that? You're Trey. You're Kevin. I'm Jeff King, and this is Trey and Kevin Changed the World. Cheers and blessings, everybody. Get out of here. Jeff King, first take, baby. <laughs> yeah, man, good hey, to see you. It's good to see some faces. One podcast at a time.